0: This year, we have been really keen and we've really felt God say, we don't want you to pay lip service to the fact that your slogan, your tagline, the thing that sets Catalyst apart when it was planted 10 years ago, was that you're a revolution of love. It's something that can become too familiar and too simple and roll off your tongue or just sit there like a slogan. And, and we really felt God say, We've had seasons of healing. We've had seasons of foundational stuff. We've had seasons of establishing systems. It's a season of practicing being a revolution of love. That's the season we're moving into. And in that space, we also had a strong sense that the answer to how we do that is practicing the ways of Jesus. There is no way you can be a revolution of love if you're not practicing the ways of Jesus. And so this year, that is our focus. And, and we haven't been subtle, but we've been establishing some foundational things in recent weeks. In December, there was, a, there was a message on living with conviction, what it means to actually have conviction in your life. Not just meandering through, but actually having something that convicts you to action. We spoke on, on living by the Spirit, that we can't walk this journey on our own, but we, we're required to live by the Spirit. That we're called not to worry to not live in a space of anxiety and fear and worry, but to trust God in our journey. Tanya shared a couple of weeks ago a brilliant message on on what happens when you feel like God's disappointed you, like he's let you down. Because that's reality. That's not going to change sometimes this year. There's going to be circumstances that maybe God might feel like he's distant or feel like the prayer wasn't answered the way you imagined it should be. Really important thing to wrestle with as we practice the ways of Jesus. And last week, Nathan shared about what it means to be zealous for God. To have a zeal, not just a passion, but a zeal for God. And that sometimes things that are familiar and patterns that we do rob us of that passion and zeal for God. You know, the idea of practicing is something that's actually really significant. Practice is, you know, you're told to practice your instrument, you're told to practice. Like, practice is a very general word. But I love the Oxford definition of it. The definition of practice is the actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method, as opposed to theories relating to it. Right? An actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method, as opposed to theories relating to it. One of the challenges we have is we sit in this space and people talk, hopefully to you, not at you, but sometimes at you. We talk and we live in a culture that's that's a very hot air culture in that the words we speak can be bold and enthusiastic and yet they often don't follow through very well. We can make big claims and yet... They're not always lived up to. Our words can often have actually little substance or or follow through. And we're really keen to reverse that this year. And what I'm sharing this morning is not so much a, a message. It's a way of approaching what we're doing this year. It's a way of thinking about how we tackle this year and a little bit of the framework that we're doing as we tackle that. Believe it or not, even though I'm a pastor, this year we want to say less and do more. It's hard to believe, I know. Keep me accountable to it. We want to say less and actually do more. Or a better way of putting it is just to say enough for our practice, our action, our lives to be real, growing and fruitful. We don't want to waste our words, because what happens is the more we talk, the more it becomes like noise. And the more it becomes like noise, the less powerful and effective it is. Now we know words can be powerful and effective, but we don't want fluff. So in that space, we're going to actually deliberately pace ourselves. One of the things we've realized is most people don't remember what the message was last week, let alone the message three weeks ago. And if that's the case, then it really didn't have longevity, did it? So the idea is what we share, we want to actually be practicing. And if we're, what we're sharing we want to practice, then we've got to give it time and pace to practice. Does that make sense? So we're not going to rush this year. And not rushing is going to frustrate some people. Because you know what we've got good at? We've mastered the thumb flick, Right? The thumb flick where you go, next idea, next idea, next idea. Oh, that's interesting. Cool, move on, next idea, next idea. The thumb flick we're brilliant at. And the problem with that is none of it sticks. It's just a nice little fluffy idea that keeps going. And we do that with our Sundays. Next idea, next idea, next week, new idea, new idea every week, every week, new idea. And we never actually practice what we did last week because we moved on to something new this week. And it's like the thumb flick every week. New message, new message, new message. What's next? So we're going to slow the pace down. We're going to actually have messages that kind of extend over a month. I know some of you are going to freak out. We're going to move in next week into looking at how Jesus practiced in relationship to Scripture. What Scripture meant to Jesus. And as a result how we get to practice what Scripture means in our life. Now, next week, Nathan's going to preach an amazing message, but we need time to practice what it means for Scripture to be real in our lives. So we're not going to finish there. We're going to keep unpacking that. We're going to keep reinforcing it over the next month, over February. Now, the challenge with that is some people go, I already know that. I actually read my scripture and and I value that already. Brilliant. You know how important it is for us to spend time practicing. There's only two scenarios that I'd like everyone in this room to be in. Either you're learning and you're growing and you're practicing for the first time, or you're modeling and practicing and championing for everybody else. So there's two scenarios. Jesus valued scripture. I'm not going not to do spoiler alert next week. Um, I actually have no idea what Nathan's speaking on specifically. But I can tell you Jesus valued Scripture. And so for, we need to value Scripture, but we need to have time to practice that. And so we're not going to rush. We're going to either model and champion and, and encourage others if it's already something we value in our lives, or we're going to get a chance to give it a go and realise how significant it is in being a revolution of love. Does that make sense? Because we can't be a revolution of love without just talking about it. We've got to provide room and space to practice. Now, if your aim is comfort and convenience, this year, I'm sorry, you're in the wrong place. There's a cinema down in Fountain Gate, Really great! You'll get two hours of comfort and convenience. Um, the problem is, you'll walk out of there, and your comfort and convenience is gone, and you'll need to go back there again, and and maybe spend your life in the cinema. Maybe that's the answer to comfort and convenience. It's not the solution, is what I'm trying to say. Unfortunately, we often end up in this rut of trying to find a, a space that's comfortable and convenient, and and that's not this space. There's going to be times where we actually talk honestly and directly about some things that, that maybe we're struggling with as a community. And that's okay. It's uncomfortable and it's inconvenient. But the destination is practicing the ways of Jesus. And so we're not going to get there without some inconvenience and some discomfort. So the, the goal is not for us to get comfortable. The goal is this to be a revolution of love. That's what it looks like. And so to get there, we are going to be uncomfortable and a little inconvenient. And I'm okay with that. I hope you are. As I said, there's other places that you can be in if that's not your thing. But I, I, just, I just don't want to offend anyone when they're uncomfortable or inconvenient. That's not the goal. That's not the, that's not the point. But the point is to be fruitful and to, to reach the destination that we believe God's taking us. In the famous words of a great poet and terrible singer, Bob Dylan, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I don't know if anyone knows that song. It's an ancient song. My dad's a bit of a Bob Dylan fan. Has anyone, actually you've played basketball. Anyone else play basketball? Lockie, I know you have. I've been playing basketball on and off since I was 11. And and anyone that plays basketball would know that when you're on the court, The aim of your team is to get goals, to shoot goals. And so if I was to go onto the court and stand there and say, you know what, I really can't be bothered running. I'm just going to stand here. In fact, I can't be bothered throwing or catching either. So I'm just going to stand here because I just don't feel like it. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not getting in anyone's way. I'm just going to do my thing. Anyone that plays basketball would know that that's not just a neutral position. That's not a passive position. You're actually hurting your team because you're not heading towards the goal. And this phrase of Bob Dylan's a little bit like it. There is no middle ground. There is no neutral space. You're either heading towards the things of God and responding in obedience to what he's saying, or you're not. There's no cruising, coasting, passive spot in the picture. Everybody's got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. And like the basketball analogy, there is no standing on the court and doing nothing. And I'm not trying to say that in a rah-rah, you know, pull your sleeves up and serve catalyst. I'm saying in your walk and journey with God this year, Be intentional. Knowing what God is saying to you is your responsibility. It's not mine. I can share with what I believe God's asking us collectively. I can pray with you. People can prophesy into your lives. People can share scripture with you. But at the end of the day, you've got to make a call about what that looks like. And I'd really encourage you to shoot some goals this year to get on the court and have a go, to listen to the coach, which isn't me. Jesus is our coach. We're practicing Jesus' ways, not Matt's ways, because sometimes Matt's ways are pretty average. We've got to admit it. Just ask Tan. In reality, we're practicing Jesus' ways. Let's listen to the coach and actually respond to what he's saying. I really want to just share a story, a brief story this morning. Now, this story is in the, in the journey of the Israelite people. God had done some amazing things in their lives. He tapped Abraham on the shoulder and said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to take you to a promised land. A whole heap of things happened. They ended up in exile in Egypt, persecuted as slaves. Then God freed them from that, and they had a season of time in the desert. And Moses took them through that season. And at the end of that, Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land, but the people went into the promised land. And it was a hard time. Even though they were in the promised land, they had a lot of enemies there. But God provided for them there. And right at the end of Joshua's life, they're now living in a fairly peaceful, settled place. And Joshua knows he's coming to the end. And he gathers together all the, the big wigs, all the leaders, all the people of responsibility. And he wants to share with them what God's put on his heart. And he reminds them of the God that had led them, the coach that had, that had consistently led them and saved them. I'm going to start in Joshua 24, verse 14. So it's just, just, I won't read, read, read all the previous part where he's gathered them together and said, look, remember when you, were, when you were slaves, remember when you didn't have any food in the desert, remember these times that God came through for you. And then he says in verse 14, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river, And in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. I think he was listening to Bob Dylan. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwelled. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, For he is our God. Joshua here is saying, just choose. Make a choice. Don't sit on the fence. Just choose. For us, we have many options, but ultimately we can choose a life like the culture around us. We can blend in with the culture around us. We can strive for that nice house, that nice car, That nice holiday. We can strive for comfort and peace and happiness, selfishness. Or we can say, God, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to choose you. I was struck as I read this that we have been handed on a platter so much. We didn't have to build this building. We didn't have to plant this church. We didn't have to bring Christianity to Australia. For many of us, our parents got to nurture us in our faith. But even those that didn't, someone came and gave you that gift of understanding Jesus. We actually are here riding the wave that a lot of other people have labored for it was it struck me that that there's actually 2000 years since Jesus was on earth that people have faithfully carried and fought and and died and spread the gospel for us to be here that's not insignificant there's other people who've set up massive corporations and have great marketing campaigns and and, and there's other gods right There's people that have invested heavily in other gods. And I'd really like us as a church today to make a choice, to say we can choose which God we're going to worship. We're going to choose which God we're going to actually follow. Because your whole life changes when you make that choice. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions of your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. As I said, that can be easily misunderstood and think that that God's a a bitter, nasty God. Unfortunately, for a large part of Israel, the Israelites, that actually happened. They divided into the northern and southern kingdoms, and the northern kingdom was wiped out. Didn't acknowledge God, and as a tribe, as a nation, they don't exist. The southern kingdom went into exile for 70 years. And they went into exile for 70 years because they didn't follow and trust God. This is not, this is not a, a picture of, of how nasty God is. It's a picture of how much this choice means. This choice is not a simple, easy choice. God is plowing ahead with his plans and purposes whether we follow or not. And when we don't follow, you will cop the consequence of what it means not to be following God. There is definite consequences to not choosing God's way. He has a design, a plan, and a purpose, and it's happening whether we like it or not, whether we choose it or not, but there are consequences if we choose not to. And Joshua's going, I don't think you're up to the task. I don't think you understand how serious this is. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves. That you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. In other words, stick to what you've said. Don't waver. Don't be wishy washy. Commit and go. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Then put away your foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them as Shechem. They made a choice. Joshua said, I don't care what you choose, I'm choosing. I'm choosing to follow God. But make a choice and that's what i'd really want us to do today make a choice not to please matt and say yes i'm going to nod and smile just to you know make this a pleasant experience but in your heart say god you are the only way i love the way that there's a whole heap of people jesus did some hard teaching and a whole heap of people decided they weren't up for it they left him and he said to his disciples So, you're going to leave me too? And their response was, Where would we go? What other choice is there? We know you are the one that's worth following. We'd be stupid to choose any other option. So, I want to recommit today, and I'd love you to commit also this, this day to say, I'm going to get rid of my idols. I'm going to let go of my other priorities, and I'm going to say today that this year, I'm going to commit to following Jesus, not just listening, but practicing. Not coming and going, but actually wrestling and persevering and struggling and striving. Like a marathon, not a sprint. Not that you have to have it together. And this is the beautiful thing about the, the basketball analogy. If you get on the basketball court and you stuff it up, that's okay. You're still trying to get a goal. You're still trying to have a go and learn and, and practice. And, and, and every mistake you make, it's an opportunity to, to get better. Pete's not a good three-point shooter because he just walked on the court and and he shot three-pointers. I bet you in his life he's missed more three-pointers than he's shot. But now he shoots more three-pointers than he misses because he did that. I want to be on the court actually trying to go towards the goal. I want to head towards being a revolution of love because I believe God's called us as a body to do that. And I want you to hold me accountable to that in the same way that I'll hold you accountable as we champion towards that. Make a choice today to say, as for me and my household, and culturally at that time, the the father was the culture setter. We have a variety of scenarios. Maybe you're a child in a family. So I'll rephrase it to, as for me and what I have control over, what I have influence over, the things that I can change, as for me and my influence, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to listen and obey. And that's why we want to only talk what we need to and practice because we don't want to just listen. We want to listen and obey. Let me pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that this day is not a day that's autonomous from everything else. It's not on its own. It's a day that came after yesterday and the things that our forefathers built, things that those in the faith, Lord God, that have championed for many, many, many years. Lord, I thank you and praise you for Cheryl and Mark Wilson, Lord God, who planted this church. I rejoice, Lord God, in their faithfulness. I thank you for those that, that designed and built this building, Lord God, that we get to gathering. I thank you for those spiritual leaders in our lives, Lord God, who have shared and nurtured our life up until this point. But Lord God, all of that is nothing, is a waste without us committing to you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and intercede, that you would come and soften our hearts where they're hard, Lord. Lord, I pray you would pour water on on the fires of fear and anxiety. Lord, I pray you would encourage and build up those that feel weak or powerless controlled by sin Lord I pray your grace and mercy would pour out on those ones Lord God that we might be able to sit here with confidence Father today not flippantly Lord but I pray you would in our hearts just give us the opportunity to say as for me in the areas of my influence I choose to serve you not because I've got it together, but you are so worthy. Where else would we go, Lord? Where else would we go? And Lord, I pray for this coming week and this coming year. I thank you so much that you've, you've spoken clearly and directly into our journey. Lord, I pray you would help us with our pace. I pray you help us with our practice. I pray you help us with the way we do community, Lord God, with activate groups. I pray you would help us encourage one another, Lord, towards you. I thank you so much, Lord God, that that you are multiplying this year, Lord God, that you are moving in fruitfulness. And Lord, we rejoice that we have an opportunity to be part of that. Lord, I just pray that our eyes would see, our ears would hear and we would respond in obedience this year to you. Give us the strength, the boldness and the faith to trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.